Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards and it's two podcasts in one. So we're going to look at all of Saturday's results. And then later on, we are going to have a little bonus roundup of all the games that happened on the bank holiday Monday, as well as a look at the FA Trophy last season's FA Trophy between Harrogate and Concord Rangers. We're going to preview that. We're going to hear from Simon Weaver and also Danny Scopes. Joining myself, as always, it is Rob Worrell. Hiya, Rob. Hiya, Luke. And our special guest this week, first time at making a debut here on the podcast, it is the National League's roving, we'll call her roving report. She's on touchlines up and down the country, see her on BT Score as well, reporting on the National League. It is Becky Ives. Hi, Becky. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. This is exciting. <laughs> it is indeed, yeah. And uh, thank you for coming on. Not at all. As soon as I got the message, I was never going to say no. <laughs> well, look, what we'll do... Um, shortly, Becky, we'll have a, a, a look at the uh, games on Saturday and, and chat through them with you, and obviously particularly the one that you were at down at Plainmore. Um, but just before we do that, a little bit more about Becky Ives. You've appeared on our TV screens in, in, in the last uh, a few years. Just tell us a little bit about your background and how, how you got into this. It's been a long process to get into this. Let me just start by saying that. It's been a long difficult process but the payoff is now a hundred percent worth it um so yeah I mean I always wanted to work in broadcast and I always wanted to work in football but as we know there is no straight path into this it's not that easy to do um ideally if it had been up to me I'd have been doing this job you know 10 years ago but unfortunately the opportunities weren't there 10 years ago they just weren't there Um, whether that be they weren't there for women or they just weren't there in general. I think probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. Also, the other thing that you sort of have to continue is is when you're, it's a funny thing, isn't it? You want to be a broadcaster. You want to get into this sort of thing. Um, We don't have the experience. Well, how do you get the experience without someone giving you a job? (laughs) It's sort of like (laughs) this bizarre circle that you're trying to break. So, I spent a lot of time myself writing, um, making like YouTube videos, not particularly for anybody to see, but just for to practice, you know, presenting. And football has been something that I did with my dad. Um, I never played, but I went every weekend with my dad to actually Valley Parade down at Bradford City. That was sort right, of like... Yeah the local ground for us. Um, so it's been a real like passion project for me and my dad as football. It's like what bonded us. I think my first game, I was about six years old and did it ever since. So I naturally was a sporty girl. I was sort of into netball and swimming and all this type of stuff at school. And I actually did swimming and highboard diving to a county and national standard. So I have played competitive sports. I understand mm. it. I actually kind of started doing screen tests. I was just writing to people saying, hey, this is what I do. This is me. I made a little showreel. Worst showreel you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> but honestly, I hope it never sees the light of day again. That but I guess your personality came across and that's the key thing, isn't it? And the fact your passion and you know what you're talking about. And I think those are the key things um, they, they kind of say to you, look, we can teach you a technical side of things. Like I had no idea about live telly. I didn't know about in-ears and galleries and all that type of thing. They can, they can teach you about that. What they can't t- teach you is the skill. 
you either have it or you don't have it. You're either knowledge and passion or you're not. And yeah. I think that's where anybody that's trying to get into this has to just bear that in mind. If you do your research, you do your work yourself, the opportunities, they will fall. But to get into football anyway, um, they basically wouldn't. They said to me, look, your knowledge isn't a problem. It's just you don't really have much broadcast experience. So I actually found an opportunity in commercial radio. And I actually wow. ended up doing a commercial radio show, a breakfast show for four and a half years, yeah. um, which is completely not sports related in any way, shape or form. But what that did do is then give me, and it was for a really good company as well, um, called Global, and they own a brand called Heart. They gave me an opportunity. And so that's where I managed to get the in. And of course, then when you've got a brand like that, I was doing four hours of live radio a day. And it all sort of came full circle alongside that. I then managed to pick up some stuff with Eurosport. I did a great cycling series and I was working for UEFA doing um, event hosting, Champions League stuff, just to keep in. And then eventually it all comes full circle. And I sort of screen tested at Premier League and uh, BT Sports. And yeah, the opportunities just sort of started to come. So sorry, that was probably a really long answer a question no it's great it's absolutely great it's really refreshing to hear you know there's some bizarre journeys in you know into sports media for a lot of people I I didn't have any background or training it's just came through the knowledge passion through hanging around the media side of things at all the shots so I can relate to some of that but I would imagine the challenges for you would have been that little bit harder um you know being being uh, a young female and uh, it's just snowballing now it's great to see isn't it I I'm going to be totally honest. When I suddenly saw, started seeing the women appearing everywhere, initially I thought it was strange, but it's only because of the upbringing I've had and the conditioning and what you've seen and what you're used to. It's actually been an absolute breath of fresh air. How hurt hard some of you guys work, you know, the research you do and everything is, is really, really impressive. So I've, I think the sports, mm. all of sport is more colourful for it now. It's good what you say, Rob. I've hosted a podcast on, you know, women in football and, and trying to get into sports broadcasting. And like you say, Becky, the, the obstacles some of them face, it's like, it's so hard, isn't it? And it brings us on as well to the social media blackout that's taking place this weekend. I mm. mean, you must, you probably suffer from it as well because you're a, a female presenting in football. And unfortunately, you probably get men who don't like it, don't you? You do. And it's, it's a strange thing. Um, yeah, being a woman in what is a predominantly male sport that is definitely shifting is definitely tough. Um, I will say myself included, my friends, my colleagues who are women, um, I can guarantee you we've done double the amount of research Mm. than what the ex-player has done when they turned up or what the ex-pundit, the male version, um, What I find, I get challenged quite a lot when I'm Mm. out and about. People want to Mm. test my knowledge and they want to test (laughs) it on the spot. And they do it in a jokey, bantering way. But you know what they're getting at, being like, oh, well, does she really know her stuff? I think the funniest question that I tend to get is when guys say to me, you know, what's your job or whatever? And you say, oh, I work in football. What do you do? I'm a broadcaster, presenter. And then they're like, oh, so you like football? I'm like... (laughs) you know there's all sorts of questions I've had people come up to me saying um somebody came up to me and said oh I guess you're just hired for commercial purposes (laughs) 
I mean, when people say that to you, just think mm. you, you have got no idea how hard it is to do the job that we are doing. And let alone when you get the job to then stay there in the job is also yeah. 10 times harder. Um, yeah, I get messages on social media that just, <laughs> I think... I don't know what it is. I got one last weekend. They can range from the sublime to the ridiculous. Last weekend, I had one saying, um, oh, shops are back open. Leave the scores to us. Oh. And you're just saying, oh. you know, You've got it, to brush it off, though. One thing, one thing that you will have learned, I'm sure, um, and you'll have learned to do is sometimes you've got to keep super focused on the job and just brush off the negativity because it's always going to be out there, isn't it? But thankfully positivity will always win of course and I think when you work in a sport that is so passionate with passionate fans and passionate things people fire things off in the heat of the moment um there is a lot of thought process that goes into asking questions there's a lot of prep that has been way done before you turn up at the ground the ground is actually supposed to be the fun bit because you've done the work and you know what this is about um and then I often think these people that send these messages I'm like I'd love to put you in front of Pet. and see how you, oh, do you have a go yeah. see how it goes see how it goes type thing because i guarantee you it's harder than what you think but i don't think we should get to the point where that's okay where people think oh it's okay it's just a bit of a joke it's like actually when that person came up to me when i was in a professional role at work doing my job and came up to me and said oh i guess you're hired for commercial purposes ha 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 i was like i'm i'm really sorry i find your comment really inappropriate i find it worse for my friends like massively. I don't know if you saw any of BT Sport score at the weekend, but they did a really powerful piece with Karen Carney, who was a good friend of mine. And when that incident happened last December, it was, I can't even tell you how horrific it was and how much it cut all of us that work mm. in sport for her. Because that could have been any one of us. It was it was Karen that got unlucky, so to speak. Yeah. Because I will still defend her to this day about that. I think what happened mm. was awful. It affected mm. her. I'm her friend. I see how it's affected her. And it still affects her. And I just don't think that that's okay. So whilst this social media blackout is happening, um, whilst we know it's not the solution to the bigger, pro- like the wider problem, we know that. But hopefully what it will do is raise awareness about yeah. what these campaigns are. And I just think that that is really important in raising the awareness that this is the issue and trying to force social media companies to take a little bit more responsibility because you can't just create a product, put it out there and then say, well, I, you know, whatever happens isn't really to do with us anymore. Well, it is because you've created it. So you've got to help be part of the solution. You can't just disown it. You can't like it when it's going well, but mm. then disown it when it's not going so well. There's got to be a balance, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant point. Well made. And, and uh, Becky, uh, you and Anita, who I met at Sutton, that you both work for Premier League. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it's Premier League Productions. And to be fair, a lot of the UK audience wouldn't even know that it existed because it's not actually a service that's available in the UK. Um, what it is, the league themselves have their own production company and we make TV shows purely based on the Premier League. Um, we're a content service, if you will, and that content then gets sold to various rights holders and channels all around the world. I think the only place it doesn't get sold is North Korea. Um, <laughs> go figure. But yeah, so in, if you're in Australia, you'll subscribe to Optus and then you turn on Optus and you'll see Premier League programs. If you're in India, it'll be Star Sports. If you're in South Africa, it'll be Super Sports. So 
we create all sorts of programs from we have shows called Premier League Today, which is effectively I'll get in trouble with my boss for saying this. It's a new show, but it's not a new show. It's oh, right. very much more relaxed and chill, but it is keeping you up to date with everything that's going on in the Premier League. We do fans loan shows um, where it's a real fan interactive show and we get Skypers on and we get to chat with the fans about the Premier League. Um, there's talk shows. Uh, Ian Wright and Kelly Cates have a show called Kelly and Wrighty. We show all the matches uh, in match day live programmes. So, yeah, it's basically a content service that we make about the Premier League that gets sold around the world. So it's fantastic. It's brilliant. Um, it gets you with every club in the Premier League. Um, like every week I do what we call ICS, which is basically player interview. So all the players from the clubs get put up and they have to do like two interviews a season or whatever. But every week I'm speaking to somebody from... Arsenal or Palace or Sheffield United or um, I did Jordan Ayew this week at Crystal Palace um, the week before I'd had Adam Ramsdale I'd had Rianne Brewster um, but everybody gets put up I've done Giroud this season so mm. it's a real it's it really is a fantastic service that they have but it's not available in the UK <laughs> no it's fascinating to hear about it and and and, and what that leads me to ask you is a bit like Matt Smith, if you like, who we've seen presenting Champions League, who we've seen presenting Test match cricket or, or you know, first class cricket, uh, international cricket. I genuinely think that you guys, despite the fact that one minute you're around the top end of the game, you love the National League. It, it, it's the feel of it, the real of it, isn't it? It's just so real. It is. And it was quite interesting. Somebody sent me a message in fact, I've had a couple of messages. It's really interesting. People's perception of good and bad, for want of a better word. Mm. And so one week I'm stood on the sideline at Sutton in the winds and rain doing the National League. And then on the Thursday, I was interviewing Jose Mourinho and I was doing Europa League for BT at the Tottenham Stadium. That's the two extremes. Yeah. And somebody sent me a message being like, oh, bit of a step up. And I replied, I was like, no, it's not. I just have to wear fancier coats the higher up the league. (laughs) Like, football is football at the end of the day. Whether you are watching National League sides or you're watching Premier League sides, the game is the same. The skill level is slightly different, but that's because there's more money at the top end. I also work WSL, the Women's Super League. So that's a whole different ball game altogether. Mm. I just I just love football. I will go to any game you give me. I'm not precious about it. I don't think that I'm better than any league or not at all. It's as I say, I just have to wear a slightly fancier coat the higher up the league I go, really. You do your own podcast as well, don't you? Is that a regular or an occasional thing? So it well, it started off as just a one-off thing. I thought I'd have a little dabble because um obviously when coronavirus hit last year, it blew everything out of the water, everybody's lives changed. Um, for me, work disappeared com- completely as live sport disappeared. Uh, it was a really challenging time for everybody. Um, and I think like a lot of people, it was like, well, how am I going to keep my brain active? What to keep my hand in? So, yeah, I actually did a podcast. Uh, it's called Outside the Box. And it is about predominantly the opportunities for women in sports. 
Um, because as you said, like at the beginning of this, there's so many mm. different ways to how we get into it and what we do. Um, there is no set route. If it was, it would be easy and everybody could do it. So I tried to get a wide variety of job roles that are available to women. So I've got some fantastic people on there. I've got um, Georgie Hodge, who is a female football agent. And she looks after people like Frank Kirby, um, like some of the biggest names in the WSL. So it was fantastic to speak to her, see how she got there. Um, Jules Breach did an episode for me and we spoke about how to get into presenting. Gemma Thompson, who works at Manchester United, um, she did me a whole episode about what it's like to work in the club. And she's been there from like Sir Alex Bergson years, like years mm. and years. Mm. Um, JJ Robley, who's aiming to be the first black female Muslim referee. It's like, that's incredible. What is your journey? I had um, yeah. Charlotte Ellis did me an episode. So I just thought it's one of the most asked questions I think you get. How do you do it? How do you get to do it? Mm. So if we can help, if I can help anybody else and just say, look, I can't tell you how to do it, but I can give you hints, tips and tools to use. <laughs> and then you do what you will. You do what you win with it, because at the end of the day, it has to come from within. You know, no, everybody wants you to do well, but you have to prove that you want it as much because yeah. otherwise you're never going to survive. It's a it's a tough world out there. So we'll see if series two rolls around. I'll have to think of a new topic. The difficult second series, that one. Yeah. It's always the awkward second season, isn't it? <sighs> so, let's talk about you. Actually, let's talk about me, just for a bit, because I was like you. In 40-odd years, I hadn't done much exercise, but I knew I had to start. So, I got the Couch to 5K app. From not being able to run for more than a minute, nine weeks later, I was running for half an hour. It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free One You Couch to 5K app now, because there's only one you. Well, let's move on and, and look at the National League. And it's it's so tight, isn't it, at the top? And, and as Rob mentioned earlier, you were at Playmore, weren't you, Becky, where Torquay stayed top after beating Eastley? Yes. In fact, I have been at Playmore twice in the last two weeks. I was there last Saturday and I was there this Saturday. Um, can I just first of all say how exciting is this National League season? I feel like we were slightly cheated out of this part of the season last year because of COVID. 100%, so yeah. even though we are missing the fans, this is unbelievable how it's playing out. So yeah, uh, talking yesterday and what performance what an unbelievably strong performance they against the good side. Against it the could good have side. been a potential banana yeah. skin for them. Let's face it. Yeah. Eastley suddenly. I mean, just a slight word on Eastley here as well. How did they suddenly pop back up in the playoffs? They've had mm. such inconsistent results. I think it's amazing that they mm. were that close still to the playoffs. They were in touching distance. And all it took was three results. They were looking for a fourth win yesterday. They got three in the bounce. And suddenly mm. they've crept into that seventh spot. Mm. And so I yeah. think I would say they were a bit like a dark horse. A little, you just suddenly think, well, I said. enough credit, did he, Becky? They don't. Did I don't he? think they do. I really don't think they do. I think Ben Strevens himself will tell you that the performances have been too inconsistent this season because how are you smashing out Notts County and Sutton United, but then you're losing 2-0 to Dagenham and Redbridge? It, it sort of doesn't quite equate. 
Um, but yeah, let's face it, talking yesterday, this could have been a real potential banana skin for them. I'd watched them against Notts County the week before where they'd gone 2-0 down. They'd looked a little bit leggy, but they had played midweek and Notts had had an entire week off. Um, but they managed to get something from the game. They clawed it back from 2-0 to draw 2-2. Two, two. The, the 98th minute goal, wasn't it? <laughs> absolutely. And for the last two games, Notts County have managed to do that. They have ground out results. So for me, that is the sign of a team that can see this out. And yesterday's performance, I wasn't too sure what I was going to see, whether it would be a bit leggy. They're obviously missing Danny Wright, who I think when he initially got injured... They didn't quite look the same team. He is that brilliant link between the midfield and the top. That ball, I think I saw some stats. I love a good stat. And I think I saw a stat where he was actually rated top for the pass, passes into the box. He's the player that's done the most passes into the box, I think, this season. So when he disappeared, you thought, oh, hang on a minute. Is this all going to cause... Is it kind of a bit disjointed? Who's going to step up here? But I think Scott Bowden has stepped up into that role. He smashed in some goals. I think mm. he's been brilliant. And yesterday, just a well-organised performance. On the ball, off the ball. They were confident. They were quite relentless. It was wave I, after wave. I watched them midweek. They were relentless as well then in their pursuit of a winner against Aldershot. And they got it in the 97th minute. Um what really impressed me about Torquay, Becky, and you'll have seen some of these guys yesterday, the likes of Lemonhay Evans and Andrews and Whitfield in midfield. They're just so smart, the sharp movement, and they're just coming at you all the time. They seem to be able to just find the space and, and open you up, don't they? They do. And one thing that's really interesting, because there is no fans, as, as when you're stood there on the gantry on a touchline, you can hear everything. And these boys are talking to each other constantly. And, you know, moving positions, getting in the pockets, making sure that men are being closed down. And I think they just look a really well-organised, cohesive, together team. With a manager who's done it before. He's won this league before, you know, Gary Johnson. He's a wily old fox, isn't he? He is. And I think he's, he's great, actually. I really like him. He's got a lot of time to talk to the likes of me and like media and stuff, which I really appreciate. He's always very polite, very courteous. And he's saying now every game now, he's treating this as a cup final. Every game is like an FA cup final for him now. Mm. Um, And he set his players a challenge to win him manager of the month award. But obviously Mm. he says it's a team effort, you know, that's just an individual award, but it's about the team. And I think they've all really rose to that challenge. He clearly understands his players. They're clearly all singing from the same hymn sheet right now. And I think with the injuries he's had, he's managed it really well. And something you mentioned earlier, Becky, it is, I mean, the likes of Luke and myself and and the other boys who are regularly on this podcast, we've watched this level of football for regularly for the last five or six years minimum. And this is not only the best title race we've had in years, but the, the race for the playoffs. As you mentioned, the number of teams in the, in the middle of the table that could still make the playoffs. Um, there was a point on Tuesday night when Aldershot were one all at Torquay, had a couple of decent chances to go 2-1 up. And I looked at the live t- table, if they'd have got it, and they didn't, ifs, buts and maybes, they'd have been three points off the playoffs themselves. They're pretty much out of it now, but... Um, 
with no relegation this season, that's a whole area of potential drama and excitement taken out of the league. And yet the title race and the playoff race, they just couldn't be closer, could they? No, I totally agree with that. I think it's, you know, and then you've got big teams like Notts County who are stumbling at the mm-hmm. wrong moments. They have yeah. been in commanding positions in games, putting in the performances and yet somehow conceding, drawing. And as we all know, because we all love the National League and I say it all the time, draws will punish you. If you are 2-0 mm. up, you have to win that game because mm. if you concede, mm. I think Wrexham have been, oh, they just got a slew of injuries right at the worst possible time, especially up front. And Dean Keats obviously has been out scouting the forwards. And obviously with with Wrexham being in Wales, they have to follow the Welsh rules. So that they could only sign players who weren't under contract anywhere else. They had to be free agents. So that's then a whole different drama and excitement. And so I just think you're right. It's so close that with what, five, six games to go, depending on which team you are, it's it's almost just too close to call and each week you're just not sure what's going to happen I won't ask you to predict though Becky because like obviously you've got to go to these grounds and they'll go oi won't they if you like tip him and (laughs) it's not a case of tipping I think I look at the table and I look at the games coming up and look it's about points on the board it's about the points on the board. This is the way I look at it. And when I look at the fixtures that Sutton, Hartlepool, Stockport and Torquay have all got coming up, because I'd say those are the four that are in with still at the, the title chance. Yeah. Yeah. They've all got one huge game. And I really think it's who comes out of those huge games will get it. Mm. It's Sutton United. It's unbelievable to think that Torquay could realistically win their next five games, which means they will have won. I don't know how many in a row it is. Well, it was. Yeah. I think they've had had 21 wins this season already. Exactly. They picked up 19 of the 21 points available in April. They've had a perfect start to May because they won yesterday. They win the next five games of the season. They still could realistically not go up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which that, blows my mind and that's because Sutton have got a game in hand and uh, they're also just a point behind Torquay and you say Rob we don't get onto all the shot early enough in the podcast well here we go because Sutton obviously <laughs> played all the shot on Saturday yeah they did and, and, and first and foremost my overwhelming feeling at, at, at the end of the game as I shared with Danny Searle and, and, and Matt Gray afterwards um, and with you guys, is I've really, really enjoyed the game. It wasn't, I mean, obviously there was a lot riding on it, particularly for Sutton, but Aldershot came and had a real go at it. Uh, Sutton were brilliant for 15, 20 minutes. They went 1-0 up. Um, nice finish from Donovan Wilson. Amar Bugiel up top was unplayable in the first 20 minutes. You no, know, he's one of the most uh, aerial fuels in the National League. There's a nice start for you, Omar Bugiel. I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um you know, so hard working for the team up front and coming back defended as well. Um, Adjiboy had a great chance to make it 2-0 and fluffed his lines, put it past the post. And then Aldershot got back into it with Ricky Miller, a, a, a typical poacher's strike from him. And for the rest of the first half, Aldershot completely dominated Sutton. How they didn't score, I don't know. They had two goals disallowed and you felt... You know, and obviously I'm commentating for the BBC. I keep as impartial as I can. But the fan in me inside was like, I'm so proud of the boys today. 
And then right on half-time, Sutton hadn't had a chance for 20, 25 minutes. They get a corner right on half-time. Beautiful delivery. And Louis John powers in a header. And somehow Aldershot go in 2-1 down at half-time. And, and that's probably a, a little snapshot of Aldershot that sums them up, really. You know, they, they promised so much and don't quite deliver some of the time. But um, second half was... For the, for the most part, really enjoyable too. Sutton did seal the deal about halfway halfway through. Um, it was Alafi who got the goal. Um, but it was just a great treat to watch. Um, and, and one of the things I've loved about this season, we're coming towards the end of the season. I haven't seen a stale match yet. You know, um, it's, it's just so enjoyable. So frustration for Aldershot. But uh, Matt Gray, great to speak to him afterwards. He had a smile on his face and here's my chat with him. Uh, cracking game. Really, really good game to watch against Aldershot and ultimately you got the job done. You must be pleased with the boys this afternoon. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, performance-wise, you obviously always want the performance to be there, but um, the result's the most important thing, especially at this stage of the season. Uh, and, and that's what we got today. So, yeah, I'm hugely pleased with that. Um, I thought we started really well. I thought we were on the front foot and, and got the early goal and had an absolute golden chance with, with Adjaboy to make mm. it 2-0 and they sort of, sort of go up the other end, score uh, and then have, have a little bit of a go, you know, gives them a little bit of belief. I thought we, we, we gradually, gradually got back to grips with the game and, and finished the half quite strong and, and got the goal and I thought we deserved to, deserved to be in the lead at half-time. Um, but second half, I thought that you know, old shot came out really well, and you know, for the neutral, not for myself, but it was, <laughs> it was a, quite an entertaining game. Uh, and you know, they had nothing to lose, a bit of a free spirit, and throwing their players forward and got good attacking players that can hurt anyone on their day. And I thought we were reasonably resolute throughout. Um, they've had a great chance that Louis Louis poked over, but other than that, I don't remember Bazanis making too many saves. Um, and, and I think we needed the third, and, and I was pleased when we got it. Going to say, I uh, don't mind me saying you you look chilled as anything all season. I saw you in a post match after one of those two defeats recently, and I thought, oh, I can see it, I can see it in his face. Um, it's tough, obviously, it's relentless, um, and there's a lot, there's an awful lot riding it, particularly for this football club if it is to go up. But uh, you know, you've won today, Torquay have won today, and I guess the pressure now swings on Hartley Plaw, and you can sit at home with a cup of something and watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I suppose so. It's, it's, it's very much at the moment, we just got to you know, keep saying to the players, we just got to keep our head down, just keep controlling what we can control, and that's just the next training session and the next game, and keeping the lads here all in good shape and preparing like we always do in, in the detail that we do, uh, and just trying to keep the results coming and keep hit results on the board. And We've done that today, and we're another game closer, so we'll, we'll just keep going. The fact that you're involved in this shake-up right to the very end is is an achievement of sorts isn't it obviously you want to try and finish the job but for little old Sutton to be in there with all those ex-league clubs this is quite a story uh, it certainly is it's, it's, it's beyond my sort of expectations of I'd, I'd never have said this I honestly believe in-house that we could seriously uh, be a playoff contender and, and could we be in the mix to be in the playoffs come the end of the season um, just of how strong we finished the second half of last season so so to be where we are, almost guaranteed playoffs at this stage with, with games to go and to be right in the mix and, and in our hands, if you like, of, of being the National League winners with all those big uh, ex-football league clubs all in around us and in those playoffs, it's a huge a huge achievement right to date, but we want to go and see it through. Yeah, and that was Matt Gray. And like I say, I, t- I tipped Sutton Becky a few weeks ago um, just because they were doing what Torquay are doing now <laughs> and scoring late on and it, the, the roles have reversed a little bit and that game in hand is going to be so crucial for Sutton, isn't it? It is. And I think that's what this is going to be balanced on. I, I don't know if I want to say I worry for Sutton. I think that's a bit extreme. 
but they haven't they've suddenly stopped scoring all right I know they scored yesterday but they 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 kind of went through a period where they stopped scoring goals and you can't do that either at this point in the season um I know they got sort of four against Kings Lynn I think it was um but the other games the other four recently have been tight two losses two wins yeah exactly and I just think Look, Matt Grayside, let's face it, Sutton are, with no disrespect to them, and I've said it to their chairman, and I've, it's a surprise season for them. You know, what did they finish last season? 15th? Mm. I don't think if we did predictions at the beginning of the season, anybody would have said Sutton would be up there. We didn't. And we, we did all do predictions, and, and, and I don't believe that we, we did. It's a fairy tale if it comes off for them. They're the only team in the top seven or eight that have not been in the Football League before. It's the fairy tale story if it comes off, even though they'd have to rip up their, their pitch and, and, and rip up their, their relationship, their really close relationship with the community. I think that'll be the consolation for Sutton if they don't go up. They can keep their identity that they've built rather than have to rebuild one. But if you're Matt Gray and you're sat where they are right now, you're going to try and grab it with both hands, aren't you? It's interesting because they haven't really been up here before. Can they handle the pressure of it? Can they see what's an out? A lot of these players won't have been in this position before. And I think a lot of it is going to be about who has got the mentality rather than the physicality. They've all proved they've got the physicality. They wouldn't be in these positions if they hadn't all season. So I think it's now as much a battle of who can get the mindset right to see out these final games as this pressure and the hype builds. That's a really, really good point. Uh, On the evidence of yesterday, they can, but I think to some extent, Aldershot was the kind of opponent they wanted yesterday. Aldershot came to play an open game and play football. If somebody turns up at Gander Green Lane and parks the bus and says, right, try and beat us, we're just going to be dogged, then they've got more of a challenge, but they've got the pace of Boy and Olafi. They've got the creativity of, of, of Beautyman, who, who had a quiet game yesterday, but he can come good another day. And the player that always impresses me at Sutton never failed to have a good performance when I've watched him, which is about seven or eight times now, Craig Eastman. Oh, yeah, he's fantastic, isn't he? I he, completely he, he, agree with that. I think every time yeah. I've seen them as well, he's been absolutely rock solid. We, we'll come on to cover a few of the other games just to wrap that uh, review of Saturday's games up in a moment. Um, Jeff has... To be fair, amazing guy. He's been on a podcast a few times um, and, and, and he would appear to have been the one that's kind of been doing it the longest um, and the sort of face of it, if you like. Does he get any first dibs or, or, or is it all sorted out fairly? Uh, so group WhatsApp is <laughs> kind of <laughs> how it all goes in. And I think, look, the, it's quite interesting at the minute because so Jeff is doing the reporting for the live games at the minute so those live games are actually sorted whilst it's all within bt it's a slightly different department to bt sports score um so the live games are picked by a brilliant guy who works at bt i'm going to give him a mention rob levi he's fantastic fount of all knowledge so he picks those games bt sports score then turns into okay guys we've got three or four reporters out on the road let's get the group whatsapp going and the producer of bt sports score has got so much to do a score show is one of the hardest shows for a producer to do and again we've got another brilliant producer matt curtis is his name he's fantastic and he's really great because he trusts us. He knows we know the league. So he says to me, he says to us, guys, you tell me, where are the stories? What's going on? You know the show that we produce. You know that league the best. 
So you tell me, where do you want to go? And then we all just have a group chat about it and it's quite nice. And then it all becomes, it just becomes funny when there's sort of like maybe say three games, one's at Woking, one's at Sutton and one's at Hartlepool. And then it's like, who's going to go to Hartlepool? Because we all live down south. They always send Danny Jameson up there usually, don't they, instead? Yeah, I mean, if we can get Danny up there, Danny will go. (laughs) But no, we do try and share around and it is fair. But that's sort of how it's picked. We all keep an eye on the league ourselves. We look where the stories are. And like a couple of times... You know, obviously at this point of the season, we always fell at the top, but I've been at Chesterfield because what a turnaround that's been for James Road mm. this season. So, well, we'll get on to them because it didn't go so well from up at Hartlepool, did it? Uh, on, on, on the evening kickoff game, they were 3 0 down at half time and uh, it was game up, and, but a really good win for Hartlepool as well. Oh, Hartlepool at home, though, you just would never bet against them, would yeah. they? Absolutely unstoppable. That is a banker, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Dave Challoner. All right. Things didn't work out at Fylde, but I don't know what happened there. But clearly he's not the problem because, look, he's moved to Hartlepool and replicated something amazing, which is kind of what Fylde were doing. But obviously they've since gone the other way. Um, But yeah, Dave Challoner, what a guy. Hartlepool. Wow. What a team they've been this season. And another team that I think have the confidence to close this one out. They've got what? One, two... They've got, out of the five games left, they've got three of them at home. Wow. So, yeah, they're, they're, going, really, they're going really, really well, Hartlepool. And uh, I must admit, that was a different scenario for them yesterday. They'd been top, having played more games. Other teams were playing catch-up. All of a sudden, they didn't get a game for the last two match days, did they? And then they had to watch uh, Torquay, Sutton and uh, Stockport all win, then go out under a let's be honest we know how it works we're all human beings they went out yesterday under pressure to try and beat a really dogged Chesterfield side um, that don't concede goals easily normally and, and they absolutely did it they did it with aplomb didn't they it was probably a good time for them to have a rest as well actually you know they've had a couple of weeks off and they were able to come out fresh weren't they out of the blocks and that's what they did ultimately yeah that's a really good point Luke and I know I'm harping back a little bit to that conversation we were just having but I was dying to get in that if Becky Ives has one first dibs this season, it's to go to Wrexham when Ryan and Rob eventually show up. <laughs> Do you know what? It's almost becoming embarrassing. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> what started out as just like a bit of a lull, internally at BT, it was just sort of like, oh yeah, I'll go to Wrexham. Oh yeah, I'll go to Wrexham. And then it all started spiraling. And then it just so happened that I was like, well, I'm going to follow this story now because this is an unbelievable story for a National League side. This is something that does not happen often, let's just be clear, and probably won't happen again for a while. Um, and, yeah, then I, and then, of course, Wrexham started doing really well. So then it became a thing where I was like, well, I'll go to Wrexham again. I'll go to Wrexham. But, and then he might go, hey, do you want to party my next movie? And you'll be like, I yes, please. <laughs> I said, I said to BT, I said to my boss, if you don't get me that first interview with Trevor Ryan, I said, if it goes to Matt Smith, I'll be having words. But, um, I mean, just off the pitch a minute, what a story. That really yeah. has been. And I've, as I say, I've followed Wrexham quite closely this season. I've been I've seen the changes that they've already implemented and that is superficial on the surface even down to the point of they now have a massive electric stop clock well they didn't have that before and they've got led boards around the side which is unheard of for the national league no one has led Mm. boards and on these led boards 
of very funny messages that mm. Rob and Ryan have put on. I'm trying to watch a game and analyze it, and all I'm watching are these messages going round. <laughs> and they're all that I just think this is this is brilliant. This is what it yeah. should be about. Um, you get the feeling that not only do they do, do, do they want to really invest in this project, but they want to do it in a refreshing way. They do, and I think they're going to come in and completely change the game with how to invest in a club, how to get the fans on side, because my word, if we've seen something of late, it's that fans need a voice. They have to be listened to. So we'll move on, look at the playoffs now, and a big playoff battle between Halifax and Stockport, and Stockport came out on top, and it was that man, Rob, wasn't it? Paddy Madden, who got the goal, and starting to prove his worth now. He is. He didn't set the ground, you know, the, the world alight with his goals early on, but he scored steadily. I think that's five or six now. And a really, really big win for, for Stockport because, A, a bit like the others, they needed the three points to keep up their own title aspirations. And, and, and secondly, because to keep a clean sheet against Halifax doesn't come easily. And Halifax have been flying themselves. Um, the, the, the one team that nobody seems to fancy, even though they made the playoffs last season. And they've been sat in the playoff positions for a month or so now. Yeah, Stockport, they're in. They're in fourth at the minute, and um, if nothing else, even if they don't win the title, they'll, they'll want to be in those top three. Well, they want to be second or third, so they've got a home time to play us, won't they? Definitely, and uh, I, I think that um, for me, if Stockport County and it might, it, it might just be beyond them to win the title now because of the the form that the others have all got at the at the moment as well, and they are playing a little bit of catch up points wise. Um, Stockport are 100% nailed on for me if they're in the playoffs, particularly if they finish second or third, because I think, you know, that they are, they're just such a difficult team to beat and they've got so many weapons at their disposal. And I think the new manager's really, really settled in now and he's starting to get a lot of consistency. What do you think, Becky? Yeah, I agree. I think that transition actually from Jim Gannon departing, obviously new owners come in. It goes one of two ways when this happens, and especially at that point in the season. And I think for Stockport, it's gone the right way. Um, I think John Rooney has been a brilliant addition to that side. I watched him last season for Barrow. He was brilliant then. And he's just taken that. He's such a vocal leader on the pitch. He's got everything that you want. He can bang Literally. in the goals. Yeah. And I think, I do think Paddy Madden has been a brilliant signing. I think he's got league experience, which always helps. Um, and we and have to mention said, Alex Reed as well, don't we, really? Because he's been in outstanding form. Outstanding. So I think mm. Stockport, if it's not this season, next season. If they just miss this season, I, I I can't see them going, unless something terrible happens, which I can't see. And by that, I mean severe dip in form. Like, no, I don't want anything terrible to happen, but yeah. I just dip in form. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and to be fair to Stockport, they've got a huge game against Torquay coming up. Yeah. That's think- the one that can can they can take control in their own hands to reel them back in. Yes. Yeah, and defensively... And Defensively, Stockport have considered the least goals in the division as well now. So, yeah, yeah no, good... they've got it all. You can never, you can right. never bet against Stockport ever. And Wrexham, you've seen them a lot, as you've mentioned. Becky, they beat Solihull Moors by two goals to one. Two penalties for Luke Young in that game as well. And uh, they've they've coming back into a bit of farm now, aren't they? They are, and 
they're coming into form at the right time. As I said earlier on, Dean Keats suddenly had a problem. That he had no strikers. He had one, Dior Angus. He was the only striker left available to him. Um, it's such a shame Kwame Thomas got injured when he did because he was absolutely flying. His stats were up there, weren't they? Oh, he won, they the were... most, won the most headers, I think, in the... Um, I'm sure that's the stat I saw. The most headers that had been won in the National League, Kwame Thomas, until he got injured. Such a shame. Such a shame he got injured. So, I think for a couple of games, they did lose form because they were trying... And they looked like a team that were trying to find a new formation with new players. And it looked a little bit disjointed. And I think it was that at that point, there was like nine games to go or something. And you're thinking, oh, no, this is the worst time for it to happen. But no, they seem to be clicking. They're finding their form. Dean Keats is getting the best out of them. So do I think they'll make the playoffs? I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a battle for sure. I do think they'll sneak in there though, yeah. One team you mentioned as well, being out of form, Becky Notts County, they went to Aldrigham and and only drew 1-1. They had to come from behind. Uh, Rodriguez got the equaliser there, but another disappointing result and that's no winning five now for them. Yeah, and that's going to get inside their minds. And it's one of those things, I know this is a podcast, so you can't see me, but when you said Notts County, I just put my head in my hands because Ian Birchnell, it's just not clicking. It's just not clicking. I saw them against Torquay two weeks ago and they were flying out of the blocks, flying. They were in complete control and they let it slip away. The performances, they've been putting in some good performances and not getting the results. I think... Kyle Wusson, isn't it? Their top scorer, mm. 12 goals this season. But he's he's drawn a blank the last 10 you games. can't buy one, no. You just... It, that has to get inside your brain as a player. It cannot. If you're if that's your job and you're not doing it, it's going to get inside your brain. I mean, the two goals that I saw came from the back line. Um, yeah, Mark Ellis is their top yeah. scorer, isn't he, over, over over the last couple of months. And, and one and thing think- that isn't, let's be clear about one thing that isn't Ian Birchnell's fault, that he doesn't have the services of Callum Roberts, who on his day is certainly, for me, the best winger in the National League. Um, you know, some of the goals he's scored have been messy like you know, weaving in and out of players and finishing. And, and he's done so in the big games at Wembley as well. And, and, and um, yeah, that's, that's tough for Ian Birchnell. And really when it's tough. such a big club like Notts County, You've almost got to hit the ground running. It was it was really tough for Rusk at Stockport because a lot of their fans didn't want Gannon to go. Mm. And those some of those early nil-nil draws they had, the fans, the knives were out for them. It's a fickle old game, isn't it? So um, for, for Ian Birchnell, if he had a tough task when he came in with Notts County sat in sixth place, my goodness me, they're down in 10th now um, and already now four points off the playoffs. Yeah, uh, his task his task is just getting bigger by the week, isn't it? It is, and their next game is Sutton. <laughs> I mean, so that is another huge game for both these sides. Notts County need to start getting a little runner results for their own confidence. They need to finish this season strong because I think if they finish this season the way that it currently is, it's difficult to get going again next. Very difficult when, I mean, I think they've been in the playoffs, what was it, between January all the way through till April and then they fell out at the the end of April. I just think when you're on that trajectory, as you said, they're really missing Callum Roberts. Mm. He's so influential for them. And you're right, it's not Ian Birchnell's fault, isn't that at all? Um, I worry for Notts County. Just, I think, you know, I'll put it out there. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. 
just don't see it. No, no, definitely not. And the other results in the National League quickly then were Kingsland nil, Maidenhead nil, Barnett's little mini run came to an end. They lost 2-0 at home to Dagenham and Redbridge. That's two. That's back-to-back defeats now for Simon Bassey and Dave Anderson. They lost to Sutton in midweek. Uh, Wheelstone nil, Yeovil to... Uh, Entertaining game, Rob, as well. Woking to Weymouth 4. You'll be seeing Weymouth next week when you take on Sutton, but uh, they're finishing the season quite strongly, aren't they? Yeah, Weymouth are picking up. It'll be interesting to see them. Um, This is yet for 100% confirmation yet, but I'm very hopeful that uh, with all the shop not having a game next week, I'll be going back to Gander Green Lane, calling Sutton against Weymouth for BBC Surrey Sport and... uh, I'm very hopeful of having the former Weymouth manager, Mark Mosley, alongside me for the game. So hopefully that comes to fruition. Um, Weymouth are the one side for me who have embraced the free hit that meant there was, that there's no relegation. A really tricky side on their day. And they took full advantage of playing against an injury-depleted Woking side. A Woking side that haven't, I don't think they've won in six or seven now. Um, They're having a wretched run. Uh, which isn't the ideal preparation for them to go into full-time mode next year. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on either of, of those sides, Becky? Well, do you know what I love about the teams that are at the bottom of the table that are still playing? I've heard a couple of people say, oh, well, what are they playing for? What are they playing for? There's no relegation. They're safe. But they are playing because mm. there are headlines available to them in the fact they could be the teams that cause the upset at the top of the table. To some of these, and I think Danny Searle had been talking. Uh, Danny Searle had been talking about wanting all the shots be that team. Mm. Um, I haven't seen Weymouth or Woking play for a couple of weeks. Mm. Um, I know. I think when they do go full time next season, that can only be beneficial to them. I feel like Woking should be a team that are higher up than what they are. Yeah. I do think that. I do think they've got some real quality players. They've got some real quality ex-league players like Matt Jarvis and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I feel they should be higher than what they are. Fair enough. And, yeah. uh, and, and, and Weymouth, well, it's their first season in the National League mm. and uh, they've equipped themselves okay, haven't they? And I think the real fillip for them was when they got Andrew Dallas on loan from Cambridge. Um, he's uh, around about double figures now. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but... Uh, um, another couple for him yesterday in that win and uh, he's given them a real focal point up top. I think as the seasons go on for Weymouth as well, I mean, first season in the National League, realistically, what was their expectation this season? Probably to stay in the National League. Mm. Well, they've done that by mm-hmm. by merit. Yep. Done that. Yep. Even if there was relegation and four teams down. They're seven points clear of the rele- what would have been the relegation spot. So yeah. exactly. So I, I think for them, for, I think for them, it's been a decent season. Mm. And like say, momentum's all important going into next season as well for them, isn't it? So, um, and mm. that's what some teams haven't got at the minute. Becky, brilliant. That's uh, that's great. Thanks for joining us. Not at all. Thanks so much for having me. It's always fun to chat national league. <laughs> it's like a league like no other. It's a real eye-opener and, um, you know, it's been a breath of fresh air for us having you on, Becky. I hope you mm. can uh, find the time to come on again and join us. Either later even see it, maybe even see it at the playoff final, hopefully. Oh, my goodness. I hope so. I really hope so. But, no, thank you for having me on. Honestly, any time. It's been my absolute pleasure. I'll always sit and chat football with anybody that wants to. <laughs> what we do know, Rob, is that uh, Chris Dickens have now been sacked, haven't they? 
<laughs> yeah that's it yeah, yeah no, exactly right so it's last year's FA trophy this weekend if that makes any sense it's Concord versus Harrogate and uh, Rob caught with the Concord Rangers manager Danny Scopes so we're joined on the line it's a bit of an NL full-time podcast debut for Concord Rangers manager Danny Scopes good afternoon to you Danny yeah, hi there. How are you? You okay? Yeah, really good, thank you. And and yourself, well, you must be pucker because uh, you're going to be leading out your team at Wembley on Monday. It'll go by in a blur. In fact, by the time listeners get this podcast, it will have already happened. But uh, just tell us, uh, Danny, are you uh, are you getting the old whistle and flute out, or are you going to go in the tracksuit, or is it a bit of both? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I've had this conversation with a few people. I'll be I'll be in my tracksuit, and uh, I like I'm a bit hands on. Um, you know, we're, we're we're a small club, as people know, and everybody needs to do their roles and stuff. So I'll be trying to be heavily involved in the warm up. And, uh, I've got jobs to do uh, as, as as a manager and a, and, a, and a coach as well with my coaching team. So it'll be a it'll be a hands on role um, uh, on the day. So I'll be in I'll be in full tracksuit and full kit uh, and around the boys as much as I can. Good stuff. Now for those. Uh, who don't know too much about Concord, and I've been digging around to find out a little bit more. It's really putting Concord Rangers on the map, this, isn't it? Um, uh, but uh, I noticed that you, Concord Rangers was born in 1967, which makes me older than Concord <laughs> Rangers by about eight months, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and obviously, you're going to be proud to lead the team out of Wembley, but it, it, there probably couldn't be a more fitting person, could there? Because, Danny, you've played for Concord, and... Obviously, it's pretty well known, I think, out there that you assisted Danny Cowley to uh, promotion from from the Ryman in, in uh, a couple, you know, a, a few years back before uh, a few years ago. There can't be many more people steeped in the history than yourself. No, yeah, I, I think I joined in two thousand. Season was two thousand five, two thousand and six, uh, and it was midway through the um, through the season. I was playing for another team in, the, in one of the Ryman's leagues, and uh, just. Was was happy, but just felt like a bit of a change and a bit of a new a new surrounding. Uh, and I went and watched them play, and they had a ten side trophy match on a Tuesday night. And uh, I think there was me, probably about four other people watching. And it went to extra time, and they won on penalties. And something about the club right then, just uh, the spirit that they had, and the, the togetherness, and all the boys that were playing at the time, and, and the management, just something just drew me in. Mm. I had a chat with the manager after the game, and he said, "Look, we'd love to take you on board and have you." And it was obviously dropping down, a, dropping down a league, and I just. I just went, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I, you know, I, I felt at home from that very first moment and, and really enjoyed it. And I went and played for the rest of that season, really enjoyed it. Um, the following season, I, I was asked to just help out a little bit with the coaching and I've become captain of the team as well. Um, and we had a, re- a real good go that season. Didn't quite get to where we wanted to be, but it was quite a successful season in, in, in where we wanted to try and get to uh, yeah. as a team and, and be a bit more professional in what we were doing. And um, at the end of that season, the manager left um, and I remember Ant Smith uh, tricked me into a meeting in a in a, in a pub uh, <laughs> with a few of the players, Danny Hill, one of our Concord legends, and, and Dan Trinkle, who was with us at the time. And I went there and met them, just thought it was a general conversation and chat about what I was going to do, and, and almost got bullied into taking the manager's role. And uh, <laughs> I still wanted to play at that that time and wanted to co- commit as a player. And, um, and like I said, they bullied me into taking it, and I agreed to take the job on and, um the fortunate part for me, and it was fortunate, I'm not afraid to say that, after 
couple of weeks into it and I was, you know, getting a team together. I got a phone call from the chairman to say that Danny Cowley had been on the phone saying, you know, I took, knew I was a new manager and would, would I look looking for coaching staff or looking for any support? He was looking to get into that and he felt it would be a good opportunity. Yeah. I said to my chairman that, you know, I think if we get Danny and Danny comes in, we're likely to probably get his brother. Um, yeah. And that was the boy we wanted and wanted to sign. And yeah. we knew that we'd get maybe a few on the back of that. So it was a no-brainer. And I, I met Dan and uh, I'd never really played against Dan too often, but mm. not, not, not didn't really know him. But I played against Nicky quite a lot in the season before. And yeah. that actually had some quite run-ins and real competitiveness in, in, in our matches against each other. Um, so we had to apologise to each other first because last time we wanted to rip each other's heads off, and mm. uh, so we apologised and we got that out of the way. And that, you knew you were so, both winners then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's what we uh, that's what I thought with him. I knew Nicky and I watched him play to know that he was what I, what I needed. And, and Danny come in. I, I was player manager and Danny was coach, but it was you know it was a joint effort. It was you know, titles were were irrelevant really, and mm. Nicky was our captain. It was just a case of just getting together. And we had three real winners um, that season, and, and we got some real good players in who were winners also. And, and we just had a go, and obviously won the Essex Senior League that season. And, People have said over the last week or so that was almost the start of the journey, really. And sort of 13 years down the line, I've been away and, and I left after five years working with Dan yeah. and then come back in as a coach after a period away and then obviously manager for the last couple of seasons. And rather frustratingly, really, I mean, obviously it's huge relief that the final is going ahead, but how tough is it, Danny, to... Um, to, to know that there's still be no fans allowed in, even though we all sat there and watched 8,000 uh, watching uh, Manchester City's uh, Cup final uh, a week or two ago. Yeah, it is, it is a uh, bitter pill to take, isn't it? I think and, uh, for non-league football, I think it's, it's tough, and not just us. And you know, you've got the FA Vars on the day, and, and, and Harrogate as well. I, th- I think it's real tough for non-league football that we have to sort of watch that. And I understand that the the, uh, the government and, and you have to have the FA, you have to have protocols, and you have to have rules of this current situation. No one really knows where 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 we were going or or what was going to happen. So I, I respect that. And I'll give a little bit of a little bit of a leeway on the sort of decisions that these things have to be made. But it does feel tough. It does feel a little bit sweet pill to take that we we can't have a small selection of fans, and that's you know, us at Conquer Rangers can't speak for Harrogate. That's probably all we would all we would need. But um, it is a disappointing that there's lots of people that can't actually be with us on the day. Yeah. Um, you know, which is uh, it just makes us more hungry though to try and put in a performance and. And people watching on TV to show what we're about. Well, Danny, it's been awesome having you on. This won't be, I'm sure, the last time you're on. And, and who knows if 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 Concord, by the time this goes out, have pulled it off, then don't you worry. Danny's coming back on again next week to talk about it. But yeah, um, yeah ple- ple- thanks for your support of the podcast as well. Nice to know, listeners, that some of the National League North and South uh, uh, managers listen in regularly. Yeah. You say you regularly listen while you're doing your gardening, don't you? I do, yeah. No, I'm like this. So I, you know, I'm a, social media has its has its uh, issues at the moment, and with the boycott, I think that's something that's smoother than that. But also, has its real good plus points because you can you can find these podcasts, you can find this information, and I like to I like to listen, I like to learn, and I think every time you listen and you have a manager on there and interview, you can pick up little gems or bits they say as well. So it's like an education, really, when you when mm. you listen to these podcasts and. Uh, because if it's going to take your job seriously, you need to 
need to know what's going on. And I think you guys p- provide the information, the managers give away some secrets and I can listen and learn from it. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I think every time I do this, as I said, it's an education and, and, and moves me in the right direction as a manager myself and helps me as well. Brilliant stuff. Well, enjoy every moment of your Wembley experience and, uh, and, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Yeah, look forward to it. Yeah, thank you for your time. He listens to it yeah. every week, so thank you for tuning in, Danny. We also, I think, are first on this podcast as well. We've got an EFL manager on because we've got Simon Weaver on uh, to talk, look ahead to the final and also to talk about who he thinks will make the playoffs, who will win it, and, and their first season in the EFL. Let's talk initially about the FA Trophy final, which you'll take part in on, on Sunday. And, of course, it will have happened by the time this podcast comes out. But... Um, First of all, just to be clear uh, to the to, to the listeners that, that I'm sure they'll realise it's the 2019-20 final in uh, 2021, which is bizarre, bizarre enough as it is. But on top of that, Simon, it will be played in front of no fans and against a team that haven't played for three months. <laughs> um, it kind of sums up the pandemic, doesn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. You know, uh, unforeseen circumstances, the whole thing, but... Uh, it's um, finally come about that we uh, have the opportunity to play the final, um, something that we've been looking forward to for, for quite some time and started the competition against Hartlepool back in November 2019. So, uh, but it's, uh, any final's worth waiting for and, um, yeah, we're looking forward to that. But, uh, yes, we've had to be very patient and I'm sure Concord have, have felt the same sometimes thinking it might never happen, but finally it's here. Now, are there any match-specific rules regarding who can and can't play, or is it just current players signed on by a certain date this season, and, and, and that's it, straightforward as that? No, there, there was a bit of two in the pro in, in terms of uh, working out what was best for both um, setups and what was fairest, um, and I think we got a fair conclusion that four players were allowed to play in, in the game, in, in the lineup, um, and uh, it doesn't say, you, you know, which is, I think, the fairest of all conclusions, because... You don't want to be totally unrecognisable. I mean, uh, to be honest, two players um, will start the game um, that uh, you know were, were playing for us last year. So mm. I think um, I think that's important. I think it's important for people to realise that um, it's not completely different teams that have actually won through the rounds. Yeah, that's fascinating. I'm so glad I asked the question because I didn't realise that, and I think some common sense has actually prevailed there thinking back to that day you got your approach spot on Simon Harrogate it was little old Harrogate town we've got this fantastic opportunity we're going to grab it with both hands and uh, Notts County um, a lot of pressure on that club you know to achieve to go up kind of pretty quickly anyway and on the day particularly in the first half they, they, they kind of wilted a little bit under that pressure and it played into your hands so I'm bound to ask you now because the boot's on the other foot a little bit this time, isn't it? Concord uh, can probably play that role, can't they? And they can say, oh, it's Harrogate. You know, they, they're they an EFL side this year. They've established themselves at that level. So how do you approach it to make sure that your lads are as mentally strong and up for this final as they were last year? Well, the preparation will be exactly the same. The um, training on the way down um, on the Sunday... Uh, yes, we'll have lots of rest, but the preparation will be exactly the same. Presentation, um, sharing as much coverage of Concord and trying to trying to find out the strengths and weaknesses uh, from the coverage that we have got. Um, but yeah, I mean, someone else said to me uh, earlier on today, saying, "Oh, 
it'll feel a bit different you know, on this occasion because you'll be Goliath and not David. And that's uh, well, the first time that's ever probably happened. <laughs> been called Goliath in 12 years, been here. So um, I, I don't think we've got a group of players that get ahead of themselves, to be honest. And, yeah. um, at least we can draw on the experience of a happy experience this time, I think, last year in the playoff mm-hmm. final. Um, but no one gets ahead of themselves and no one will start thinking we've got a divine right just because uh, we're higher at the pyramid. You sit 17th at the moment in League Two. You flirted with higher positions throughout the season. You were sort of on the fringe of the playoff uh, places at one point. How do you sum up? I know there's two games to go, but how do you sum up your first season in the EFL? Um, well, uh, a satisfying first season. Uh, I mean, the, we achieved the all important objective of staying up um, because after having such a, a fantastic run last year and enjoying um, being part of something where, you know, it was a real collective effort and the community came together, even though they obviously weren't present in the final itself. But there was a, such a big surge of energy uh, from the players, from the local community. And we, we fully, you know, we're confident in that final, which is very um, mm. bizarre, but we, you know, we were because we thought that we we deserved it for the, mm. um, for the mileage we'd done in terms of the effort levels and um, the fitness levels and just pure desire and spirit. But, um, you know, we, we took it into a good start into the season. Mm. Um we expected to plateau at some point just because the energy levels took a hit from mm. it being relentless and a real break mm. um, after last season and um, and players learning from new experiences but uh, we came again after January window open we managed to get uh, a bit of breathe, a bit of life into the squad by getting more competition for places we won 7 out of 10 and then it catapulted uh, high up in the league and and, um, and we were looking upwards then you know I think recurring things have been occasional slip up um, when we've been on top and not quite in, enough goal power throughout um, to see off teams when we're on top and I think uh, you know we'll take that into the summer and, mm. and try and learn from that but I also think we've got a good group of players mm. that will have come a long way come back fresh and ready and better for the experience of League 2 yeah, 54 points as we stand. Obviously, the Cambridge and the Cheltenham games to come. You're a little bit closer to the playoffs than you are the relegation places. And uh, I think it's always worth looking. I know there's been a number of changes at Barrow, but uh, Barrow um, struggled for a long time. But they found their legs in the end and they'll join you, taking their place in the EFL again uh, next season. So congratulations on really establishing yourselves at EFL level this season. So I mean, let, let's not forget, of course, that... Uh, that uh, you know, that's two promotions in three years since becoming a full-time club. Now, Simon, I know your chief focus will have been on everything going on in League Two, but uh, you'll have kept your eye, of course, on the National League, not least of all because uh, because you'll be looking for players up and coming. And I'm not obviously going to ask you which players you like because you might be after them over the next few months. But um, You'll have kept a close eye on what is probably the most fascinating title and playoff race for many, many years at this level. Pretty evident as we speak that the title race is down to four clubs. It it was almost three, but Stockport are on a on a huge surge. Mm. Who's your thoughts that will come through to win the title? And uh, if they're involved in the playoffs, who do you think might prevail having come through them myself last year? Uh, I've got a, a soft spot for Sutton because I think... Um, Mike is not not a big uh, name from from the national league uh, with a three G background as well, and and how they built it up um, in their community. So I'd love to see them get, get up and, and get promoted. Um, 
for so long they were top of the table at Sutton um, mm-hmm. and were strong with it, you know, and really had to break down the fast out wide and um, too good forward as well, so strong throughout. Um, but I have a feeling, um, it's only a feeling that the Arnipal with the goal power that they've got have a great chance of coming through. Uh, just, uh, just, uh, and nicking it at the end. I say it's, it's a really tight one. I also think Stockport, you know, for the, for the players, I think possibly two from those three clubs overall will, will probably, uh, probably go up. Yeah, that's a fair shout. I, 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 I concur with what you're saying about Hartlepool because at one point they, you know, they played three or four more games, hadn't they? But the, the, the points differential has narrowed, the games differential has narrowed, and, and, and they, of course, you know, mostly have a full week to prepare for each game as well, which, uh, you know, I know it's the bane of managers, isn't it? Players love Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. But my goodness me, for yourselves and the staff, um, mm. it's a lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot of work because you can't get any edge, don't you, in terms of more analysis these days. Um, but with that, you know, you've got to front up the players and you've got to have done your own work, you know, and um, being thorough with it. So that doesn't just come about by half an hour's work and mm. um, but it, these are all these are all good clubs aren't they you know Sutton Paul have just mentioned them and Stockport you know and they'll, they'll all be going all out and I think yes whilst time this may play a part and stretch the squad there's uh, a lot of adrenaline around uh, those playoffs now and, and the top spot so mm. you know there's uh, all to play for yeah, and the one of the, those four clubs we haven't particularly talked about, I wanted to raise them to you because as a manager, looking at stats and analysis all the time, Gary Johnson, of course, and, and the big the big thing for Gary jo- for Torquay is that Gary Johnson's been there and done it and he's been in this race before and won it. But um, staggeringly, Simon, over the course of the season, goals from 80 minutes plus, so that's 80 right through to 97, 98 as they were doing this week, Torquay have, have, have actually racked up a ridiculous 35 points with goals for it beyond 80 minutes. Now, when you look at that in a team, obviously it shows a strong mental resilience. Does it also, sh- it must it must give indications of their fitness levels as well, surely? Both sides, yeah. Um, and that could be crucial. You know, if they have that belief and the opposition um, are aware of that, that, uh, that record, then... Um, yeah, they, they can buckle just because fully in the knowledge that here we go, here we go again. This could well happen. We could be yet another team that suffer this late onslaught from Turkey. So if they have a knack of it, and uh, you know, I neglected to to uh, back them there, but uh, they could they're right now as well. And with that habit of scoring their goals, they've got every chance. Brilliant! I've finally quit. I can keep up with my kids now. I feel like I've got my life back. It's an amazing feeling when you stop smoking and you can experience it for yourself. Our range of free support can help you quit for good. From our app to emails, face-to-face support and online communities. Search Smoke Free. Better health. Let's do this. Welcome to part two of the NL Full Time podcast. Uh, we've got, we've got, we've substituted Becky Ives and brought in a regular Chris Pratt. Hiya, Chris. <laughs> Hello. I, I don't, I, yeah, you would have guessed that. I don't sound anything like her. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, no, the knowledge level's going to go downhill now, isn't it? Now Chris is here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. Well, we, we finished off hearing from Simon Weaver. We finished off hearing from Simon Weaver and Danny Scopes. And the, the FA, as we recall, this the FA Trophy final. 
has literally just finished and it's been won by a League Two side, which is words I never thought I'd utter. And they will have the shortest reign in FA Trophy history as well. But Harrogate did beat Concord by a goal to nil, thanks to Josh Falkingham's goal. And um, they got there in the end, Harrogate. It was a bit of a struggle for them and Concord put up a good fight. Just didn't quite have enough going forward did in the end, but uh, fair play to them. No, Reynolds battled, battled uh, a bit of a lone furrow at times up front and he did really well holding the ball up, winning free kicks. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, a very quick mention in passing for the FA Vars final, which was fantastic between Heaven and Consett. And, uh, you know, five-goal thriller, five excellently uh, made and taken goals. But in a different sort of way, I enjoyed the FA Trophy final. Bizarre, isn't it? A side now from the Football League against one that hadn't played a competitive game for three months. I think when you put all that into the pot, it was a brilliant effort from Danny Scope's side. They stayed in the game until the last 15 minutes. And that's the kind of scenario they'd have looked at trying to do. But it's just so difficult to then, you know, get a special moment to to go up a gear when their legs, they must have been feeling it in their legs, you know. So... Uh, ultimately, a strong run from Jack Muldoon, um, a shot that came back off the post. And, and it was Josh on the spot, Josh Falcon, and doesn't get many. But um, the little man was there and uh, tucked it home. Uh, I just thought it was a great, great effort from Concord. I felt a little bit of pride. They represented the National League with pride today. I did enjoy the Cowleys uh punching the desk. They were very, they'd nailed the colours to the mask for early doors, hadn't they? It's fair to say. Yeah, I don't know whether they were being politically correct in inviting both of them. I don't know why they couldn't have invited, you know, one of them and then somebody else, you know, maybe someone that's played or, or, you know, been involved with Harrogate. Maybe equally BT thought, well, we cover the National League. Harrogate are in the Football League. Um, But it was, yeah, it was interesting to see their reaction. Um, Their whole family is steeped in tradition at Concord, aren't they? And, uh, you know, they came from there. Uh, but nobody more Concord as we as we you know, as we covered with the um, chat earlier in the podcast with Danny Scopes, uh, no more so than Danny Scopes, and and he represented himself extremely well today as well. And can we say represented a podcast now after his comments saying that he was a big fan of it of the pod? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think we can call that the curse of the podcast because they lost, but. Uh, who knows? Uh, we'll definitely have Danny Scopes on again, and uh, what. A, what a wonderful place they now have in their in their rich history, Concord Rangers, of um, being the underdogs. And OK, they didn't win it, but uh, a very, very good effort. So heading now and looking at the National League, the fixtures on Monday, there was a significant results, wasn't there, at the top of the division? Hartlepool, they slipped up and lost 1-0 at Bromley. They've slipped to fourth now, would you believe? after a 1-0 defeat at Bromley, as I said, the goal by Jude Arthurs. And they also had Gary Little sent off. He'll be a big miss for them. Two yellow cards that he'll miss their next game. Torquay had a really good win away at Chesterfield. Fair to say, maybe out of form, Chesterfield at the minute, but a really good win away for, Ch- for Torquay at Chesterfield. And then Stockport won 4-0 at home to Wheelstone. Stockport goal up into third position. So let's digest all that, guys. <laughs> Yeah, where to start? I mean, we could talk for about three hours, couldn't we, on those uh, on those three teams? But uh, if I start with Hartlepool, they were the first ones that you you mentioned. Hartlepool have slipped to fourth 
and they haven't lost a game apart from today since the 16th of February. That is ridiculous. It was against Eastleigh. They've won the last three. You could they've won four out, out of five before today, and they've slipped to fourth place. But that only goes, and that leads in nicely to talk about the other two as well, because that just shows how well that they've been doing in recent weeks. We thought Torquay were, were possibly goners. Um, we thought that they'd lost the form. We thought that that early pace setting had, had gone, and they've picked up, and they're, uh, they're now the pace setters. And Stockport County, well, they just keep winning and winning and winning, but they've been fourth for so long. It just felt like they were never, ever going to get into that top three. Um, and they've done it today off the back of a, a 4 0 win, win against, um, I don't like using the word, but I'm going to use it anyway. But a plucky Wealdstone in the first half, who I think just ran out of steam. I think, um, you know, I think the. They mentioned that they, they were a bit jaded uh, at the moment be- before the game, but they, they defended so well in the first half. They restricted County to shots from outside the area. And in the second half, they just couldn't hold out any longer. And um, friend of the podcast, another one, <laughs> Ryan Crowsdale scored, uh, got uh, got County off to, uh, to the start. And um, two other guys who just keep scoring and scoring and scoring, Alex Reid and uh, John Rooney did the rest. Yeah, in terms of, I mean, we'll give credit to Bromley first, Rob, as well. I mean, Andy Woodman's done a fantastic job since he's gone in there. One defeat so far. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Rusk took a little while to get his way over to Stockport. Um, and um, Ian Birchnell's still struggling to get his ways over to Notts County. But Bromley manager, he came in, he got a couple of clean sheets, early doors, then a couple of draws, and then bang, they've been at it. And And yeah... Uh, they've actually replaced Chesterfield in the in, in the um, in the playoff places, and I think building on what Chris said about Hartlepool, suddenly fourth, they've only lost one game in fifteen. Chesterfield, after the run they were on, they're not looking quite so secure for a playoff place now, are they? Same games played, two points off it, and they've got a bit of ground to make up. What I would say for Chesterfield and James Rowe, not only have they had to kind of reshape things after losing uh, a key weapon in Aquasi Asante. Uh, but they have had a really wretched run of games against some of the best sides at the moment as well. So they may well come again. For Stockport, the key thing for me, Chris, and I think you mentioned a few of the people at Edgley Park have been talking about this, Stockport were desperate in the first instance to get up into second or third position so, you know, they, they realise they've got an outside chance of the title still, but they must get second or third to get one less playoff game and a home game when they come around. Just two things to go on what you say there, Rob. Obviously, Chesterfield, like you say, on a bad run at the minute, but uh, I think they'll be pleased with where they are considering the start of the season they had. And if you get in the playoffs, it's a bonus. I think they've got loads. I think they've got 17 players out of contracts in the summer. So, again, it's a rebuilding job. James will know what players he wants there. And then... In terms of Stockport, Chris, uh, that was a big result in terms of teams have come to Edgley Park and frustrated and they've not always found their way, have they? And they've ended up drawing a game they maybe should have won. And and as, as Rob mentioned there, if they can't win the title, the next best thing is to get into second and third so they've got a decent home draw in the playoffs. Yeah, what I'd say though, um, certainly less so in recent weeks, um, certainly for the last six or seven weeks, they've, they've solved that problem, actually. Um, so they first started, they, were, they had a lot of clean sheets. They were struggling um, to get the three points on the board. There were a lot of one-ones, things like that. But now 
they're not conceding, the score in hatfuls. So, so um, for me, they seem to have um, solved that problem. And you know, the, with the with the attacking talent that they've got, just got Richie Bennett back, obviously from uh, all playoff contenders at uh, Hartlepool as well. Is is just frightening. Can I just pick up a point on on Chesterfield, Luke? That you said that you know where they were at the start of the season, they'll be they'll be happy with uh, with where they've got to and things like that. Not anymore, they won't, <laughs> because the run that they've been on, they were flying up that league. They were upwardly mobile. They looked like um, they were going to be part of that four or five if if they were involved as well. And I think in um, in recent weeks, I think it will actually be perversely. A bit of a disappointment now if they if they don't make that top seven. Uh, well, I, just to clarify what I said before we get <laughs> before I get a beast of Chesterfield fans, and I know James Rowe wouldn't sort of settle for it, but when James Rowe went in and the fans went in, if you'd have said to the fans and to James Rowe, "Look, you'll be pushing for the playoffs. You might end up in like the top seven. Did they said, yeah, we'll definitely take that. But like I say, I think with a the run they've been on and maybe they've dropped off at the wrong time, they, they will be slightly disappointed. And they've signed Danny Rowe as well, extra firepower, and they're trying to literally row their way out of the National League, I think, aren't they? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I, I can, I can not, not to be the mediator here, but I can see the points that you're both making. I think um, James Rowe managed to keep a lid on the expectations of Chesterfield for a little while. But when that run continued... And let's be honest, they were up to fifth place, weren't they, a couple of weeks ago? So um, the side that we need to highlight, I'm sure you're coming to them next anyway, and they deserve huge credit. They're on a cracking little run again now, cementing sixth, uh, fifth place and, and, and the, the head of the pack that's chasing that top four is Pete Wiles, Halifax Town. Another great result. It's, it's, I mean, well, I mean, I know sometimes, Rob, you say, a win and a loss is better than than draws. And that's what Halifax have done. They've won three out of the last five, but then they've lost the other two. So as much as Halifax fans would be like, well, like we played Stockport at home, we wish we got a point. You'd rather sometimes win three and lose two, wouldn't you? And like you say, you look at that and go, well, that's a bit of an inconsistent run, but they're in fifth place and they're well clear, aren't they? They're, um, they're four points clear of Bromley in that last playoff spot. And six points clear now of Chesterfield. You don't. It doesn't look like Halifax are going to drop out the playoffs now, does it? No, I think they're uh, they're well on track for it. And 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 you know we talk a lot about Gary Johnson in the title race. He's been there, done it before. Well, Pete Wilde experienced the playoffs last season with Halifax, didn't he? So uh, yeah, goals from Luke Summerfield, Kieran Green, and Jake Hyde today. And there's no way that uh, Yeovil uh, have just written off the season at all. They. That that looks like quite a feisty uh, feisty old game to me um, because the referee has shown eight yellow cards in that game, five to uh, Yeovil and three to uh, Halifax, but a brilliant win on the road for Pete Wilde's men and uh, they're in cracking form and they'll be a dangerous one. They'll be a dark horse come the playoffs. Yeah, and all, all the better for the experience. Um from last year, although they do tend to throw in the odd performance, don't they? The odd poor performance. So that'll be interesting to see how they cope, especially depending on who they get in the playoffs. The final playoff side as well that we've not mentioned, Wrexham. It looked like they were going to drop out of the playoffs. They were 2-0 down at Maidenhead at halftime, but they roared back. DR Angus and Jordan Davis, who got the goals there. And a really good point in the end for Wrexham because it looked like a draw, a win and a loss. But as it turns out, they are, they are on a decent unbeaten run again. With some of the results um, over the weekend, 
uh, it wasn't a bad point in the end for Rex, particularly coming back from 2-0 down. But I think I helped them because for the third time this season, I dropped a text into the WhatsApp group. The other two were about Daryl McMahon and Dagenham and Redbridge, but this time it was about Wrexham and Keats. And as they as they were 2-0 down to Maidenhead at halftime, I put a message in the group again, all the acts could be wielded for Keats again. And uh, they come back and got the two all. To be fair, if Keats gets Wrexham into the top seven, into the playoffs, then he probably deserves the right to uh, to have a crack at it under the new... Uh, the new owners next season. Yeah, and it's fair to say May the 4th be with Sutton United because May the 4th is when they take on Notts County, which is Tuesday, and it was a good day for them. They didn't play. They still maintain second position. Matt Gray will be pleased with that. They've got two games in hand on Torquay and a massive game against Notts County in front of the BT cameras. Yeah, it's funny how that works sometimes, isn't it, really? Um, that You don't play, but you just watch others uh, drop points, and, and that was the case with, with Hartley Pill today, but they... Uh, Obviously, they won't be pleased at Torquay and uh, and Stockport picked up three points, but they look good now, don't they, with those two games in hand? Personally, I know I've, I've probably changed this every two or three weeks, any time you ask me. I remember in the quiz, I tipped Hartlepool <laughs> to, win, to win the title, but um, Torquay are looking good for it now. You, The old adage is you'd rather have points on the board, and I trust the the football community that uh, that... that tends to work out more often than not. Fair, Simon Weaver, as we heard earlier, Simon Weaver tipped Hartlepool, didn't he, sir? Yeah, Simon Weaver tipped Hartlepool. Uh, although he's not on the podcast today, Tom still feels pretty confident about Sutton. He said if they go and win at Notts County, he thinks they'll win it. Um, our, when we all nailed our colours to the mast a couple of weeks ago, um, what I went for on, yeah, what, what I went for on the night is looking good at the moment, but it can change by the week. You know, I felt Johnson and Torquay, been there, done it before, that, that, that they would win the title. And Stockport, key caveat for me that they get second or third place. But I, I, just, I just do fancy Stockport if they get to those playoffs with one home game to get to Wembley or wherever the final's going to be played. I don't think it is. I think we don't think we categorically know where it's going to be played, but I'm, I'm pretty sure from the various conversations we had, it's not going to be Wembley. All the results from Monday... In the National League, good win for Dagenham against Woking by three goals to one. And I saw Mick Payne tweet about having his lucky lasagna tonight. Every time he's he's had he's he knows he's having lasagna for his dinner. Uh, he's gone. Dagenham and Redbridge have gone and won, and they're on a nice little run now. They're just outside the playoffs. Is it too little, too late for them? Yes, too late for Dagenham for the playoffs, but an excellent run building. And all of a sudden, McCallum and, and Belanta have hit form at the right time, and they're they're both into double figures now. Um, you know, so fair play. I think mean, the fixtures have been relatively kind to them in terms of who they've played. Uh, if you take out that blip against Aldershot three, uh, three, three weeks or so ago, um, they've had a half decent run now. Um, and, and McMahon will be pleased. He'll also be relieved. And uh, it looks as though he probably will keep the reins into next season now. And I know, I know a, a game and a striker you wanted to highlight, Rob, was Kabongo Shimanga. He's, he had a good day, didn't he, against Kings Lynn? He certainly did. Um, Kings Lynn dared to take a very early lead at Meadow Park uh, against Boreham Wood, but uh, Gus Mafuta soon got Luke Garrard's men level. And uh, in the second half, and I mentioned this before about Shimanga, he can be anonymous in games and then he can suddenly crank it up and hurt you. Uh, he did that against Aldershot this season when I watched him. Uh, and he certainly did it against Kings Lynn. 
uh, with uh, a hat-trick in uh, 22 minutes, uh, which pushes him right up close. It's a really, really good battle, isn't it, at the top of the National League for the top scorers now, uh, with the likes of uh, Reed and Rooney and uh, and Shimanga and uh, who am I forgetting? Who's the one who's actually top? <laughs> oh, Michael Cheek, yeah. <laughs> Good win for Solihull Moors against Olchingham. We were a bit of a flat ending of the season for Olchingham. Four different scorers for Solihull Moors. Thompson, Hudlin and Archer. And they chucked in a Johan Zuma own goal in between that. And I think since Phil Parkinson signed his new contract, Chris, Olchingham haven't won. I think they've only picked up one point. No, I think you're right. Yeah, it's... it's um... It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because they were up there, they were punching well above the weight, weren't they? When they were up there in the in the playoffs and the in the early stages of the season, uh, they've got a good squad there. They they play play good football, but I think it, it it's really difficult for them to. I don't know whether you get to a point in the season when you look up and you think these clubs that we we're chasing are now winning a lots and lots of games and it might be a bit dispiriting when you know that you haven't got the resources of those other clubs and it's just it just led to a little bit of a, a dip in form and now they've almost got nothing to play for you can't go down and they're not going to make the playoffs so how do you remain motivated in in this long stretched out season and i think all they can do now is is build for next season it's a really good point that you made chris and uh, i think you could apply some of that logic to Woking situation as well. They might only have a point since Parkinson got his contract, but I I don't think Woking have picked up uh, a, a single win, that's for sure, um, since Alan Dowson got uh, got his uh, two-year contract at Woking. Of course, going to be full-time uh, next season. They're on a wretched run. We have to add the caveat that they've, they've got a horrendous injury list. I think 11 or 12 first-teamers out injured now. A lot of youngsters being blooded and getting experience, but uh, yeah, they uh, they went down again today, and they sit now in twentieth place at Woking. Um, and uh, the way it's going, they're going to struggle to finish much higher. Yeah, although you say about teams being motivated to finish a season, I mean, look at Barnet; they they had a couple of defeats, they bounced back on Monday with a win against an inform Weymouth. Really good result for Barnet down on the South Coast. Ben Richards, Everton, and. Tommy Adeloy with the goals there and a good good bounce back for Barnett considering he played most of the second half as well with 10 men after Anthony Wordsworth had been sent off. Yeah, I think the interesting thing for me about Barnett is that their, their form is so good. Another clean sheet again today um, and, and, and the only games they've slipped up in have been against very, very decent opponents that may be a little bit too much for them, but it's so good. It'd be interesting to see what the long-term plan is management-wise there because I think it's been made evidently clear that that that, um, that the Barnett chairman wants some continuity, wants a settled team. So he's put his goalkeeping coach in place in Dave Anderson. He's put his first-team coach in place as Simon Bassey and he's put them in charge at the moment. But I, I beg the question, I'll put this over to uh, to you, Chris. That's, I think, four wins now. I think it's probably six unbeaten out of eight, something like that. Um, and is Bassi, are Bassi and Anderson making a case that they don't need anyone else to come in as manager? Well, absolutely. Absolutely they are, aren't they? And um, it'd be interesting whether they would like to continue. That's, that's, what, um, that's what I'd be thinking of. Um, what sort of backing would they get? Um, 
do they want to be in position next year and, and where do they think they can take Barnet next season? I think that'll be a big a big decision for them as as well as the club. I mean, they could get slightly bigger back in in their budget if another manager's not bought in because his wage can go towards their playing squad. Um, I, you know, I don't know. We're like, we, we don't know, really know what the situation is at Barnet. I read the chairman's statement, very long, very clear, um, about, you know, everything that's happened there. And I think there's some more pieces to be put into that jigsaw yet. But full credit to Bassey and, and, and Dave Anderson for the start that they've made. I witnessed it firsthand in their second game in charge when they got their first win. Uh, and they've gone on from there. Brilliant. Well, that is it. We... We'll be back next week with uh, looking at the action again and seeing what other drama unfolds in the National League. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for joining us for this bumper podcast. Yeah, loved it. Loved the uh, two games over the weekend. Nice to relax and enjoy uh, watching them all today without all the shot playing. And, and, and big up to Becky, one of the best guests we've ever had on the podcast. Thanks as well for joining us for part two, Chris. Are oh, you welcome from uh, my part-time performance? Plucky part-timer Chris Pratt as a... My Becky Ives replacement for part two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at NL full time and nl full time on instagram as well drop us an email if you want nl full time at gmail.com until then look after yourselves and i'll see you all very soon 